This is Profiles in Risk. Hosted by Nick Lamparelli. Every week, we interview those who risk life, limb, fortunes, career, and reputation, and those who work behind the scenes who look to protect and enlighten us about risk. You can find the show notes and other insurance-related content at insnerds.com. That's I-N-S-N-E-R-D-S dot com. Now, on to the show. Hello, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Profiles in Risk. I am your host, Nick Lamparelli. As uh, Meg and I prepare for another wintry uh, day, her in Chicago, me in the Boston area, uh, my guest today is Meg McKean. Meg is the founder of Adjunct Advisors. Adjunct Advisors utilizes an educational approach to develop practical insurance and risk management solutions for insurance sales professionals and insurance agency principals. It's been a long time that we tried to plan this, but welcome. (laughs) I'm glad the stars align, Nick. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thank you. So as we uh, begin to prepare for our snowstorms, you'll get yours first and then mine uh, tomorrow. Um, what a cozy way to end the week, talk about insurance, talk about what you do. So I always start off by kicking it over to the guest, adjunct advisors. Explain yeah. that in your words. Awesome. Thank you so much. So Adjunct Advisors is really the culmination of of my 20 years of a variety of roles in the insurance industry, always on the PNC side. Um, I started out like so many of us with the general liberal arts degree 20 years ago and a great job market, Um, took an underwriting underwriting position and kind of moved up through the ranks, if you will, um, on the carrier side of things and really learned the craft of underwriting, Uh, made a couple of carrier changes. dipped my toe in the leadership pond, uh, had a great opportunity to move to the agency side um, of the conversation and was there for a handful of years until about 18 months ago when I made a thoughtful decision to pause uh, my professional journey, took a little bit of a breather, um, took some time, frankly, to really just enjoy um, my life. I'm about halfway through a career, right? So um, did a lot of yoga, did some healthy eating, trained for a marathon, took some naps. Um, it was a great sort of <laughs> midterm sabbatical. For me. And um, that time was a gift, frankly. Um, it allowed me a lot of clarity and the opportunity to really do a deep dive and decide what this next chapter looks like. And Adjunct Advisors was born. I, I did some hard work um, internally, looked at all of the roles that I'd had and all of the the places that I'd been in the industry and, and for some commonalities, what were the, the activities and the uh, job functions, if you will, that I really enjoyed, but also that I, I could do well and I could succeed in. And I realized that I, I need to be working um, with others as they're developing their own craft. Um, there's, there's great value in, um, in the industry, as we know. Um, at, the, at the same time that I was going through that self-exploration, um, all this um, research was coming out, right, about this impending talent crisis. And um, what I heard over and over again for those 20 years as I was calling on agents and working with underwriters that were coming up the ranks um, is that we need to 
look at the business um, differently. We, we have a gift here and um, it's up to us how we leverage that. And uh, so Meg, where did the idea come from? Was there a particular moment that you, I, I'm assuming that there was something in your past where you're like, I like to teach, but where, at what point were you, you know, the light bulb went off in your head and said, ah, I know, I know what I want to teach and I know who I want to teach. Yeah. So, um, so I think it, in all of my roles, whether it was official or not, um, I always took on that sort of mentorship capacity, right? So um, just collaboration in general allows us to share ideas and give feedback. And I realized that um, I had good feedback to give and that, um, that my input was valuable and necessary. And during my time on the agency side, as I was calling, I'm sorry, on the carrier side, as I was calling on agents, not a single day went by that agency principals weren't looking for talent. So they were constantly asking me, where are the good people? I need good account managers and producers that don't come to the table with all sorts of baggage. We all have it, right? But um, they wanted good people. And often my hands were tied. Uh, the good people are happy. They're not ready to move. They're, they're satisfied and they're established. And I just saw this over and over again. And then when I made the switch to the agency side, I saw frankly, new producers start out in the business and it's tough. It takes time um, to build a client base and frankly, build confidence. And I saw this pattern of behavior that we have this inherent need for talent and we have a great generation and the millennials that are coming through. We have them in volume. There's a lot of them. Um, we need them. There's a sense of urgency, right? We've got the baby boomers that are setting up retirement plans and there needs to be this very natural handoff of knowledge and frankly of opportunity. And so I fit, interestingly, um, squarely between the Gen X and the millennial generation. Um, there's like a five-year gap, the Xenials, I've heard us called. And <laughs> it's really cool because all the generational studies, we all know that technology is a huge differentiator in all of the generational categories. So um, I surely remember life um, before technology, before cell phones. I was a proud flip phone owner, never owned a pager, but apparently that was a thing too. Um, the flip phones, are, flip phones are coming back though, <laughs> FYI. I just, I just read that. that. Yeah, yeah, the Razor is coming back. Yeah. So uh, I don't know that I'll be owning one, but um, it is a fun little bit of nostalgia. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, I, I remember life, right? I, I learned in you know, my very first underwriting training program how to hand rate property coverage. Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's a dying art. Um, people just don't do that anymore. Um, but on the flip side, I had email in college. I had email in my first you know, professional role. And so technology has always been a very important part of my business and the way that I communicate. And I realized that ability to relate generationally to the baby boomers who are hiring the millennials, theoretically, um, or the Gen Xers that are hiring the millennials to be squarely between the two creates a great bridge. And so that's yeah. really, really where my sociology loving heart um, beats fast, quickly, um, when I think about the opportunity to really relate um, to both sides of the conversation and help young people coming up in the business to find their confidence and find their voice mo more quickly. And that's frankly where the inaugural program, which is called Begin, um, came from. Yeah, so, you know, it's something that's near and dear to my heart because I have a startup and we're talking about that now. Like, how do we train? And there's a knee-jerk reaction of, well, 
get them in front of some courses and that will kind of get them going. And I'm trying to say pause for a second. Our, our responsibility to these people that we're bringing on goes beyond just having them sit and take a few courses to start their career with us. Like I want, I want it codified. I want us to be a continuous education company where we're always learning and it never ends, mm -hmm. but I want to make sure that there's a pathway for them. And to me, that's like a, that, that's something I learned early on in my agency, um, my agency career when I first started. And it, it's, um, it's something that I, I'd like you to discuss as well. Like there's, you know, there's training someone to be able to rate something. And then there's someone who understands insurance who can then become a, like a problem solver down the road, but also someone who can then figure out that's the, this is the path I want to take on my career. So can you talk about uh, education and training in terms of just making the value of the company better by training problem solvers and not just someone that's going to fit into uh, the slot? Yeah. So I, I like to think in terms of impact rather than success. So success is mm. kind of an old school way to look at the business. You, whatever the financial goal that you've set for yourself, yes, maybe you, you meet that. But I think where the rubber really meets the road for us as professionals is impact. So um, in what way can we be impactful to our customers, to our insurance customers that may or may not even be an insurance solution? I think that's really where, where the value is. How can we leverage our our creative thinking and our knowledge, um, whether it be uh, life experience, because let's be frank, most people starting out in the business don't have strong technical knowledge banks, but maybe they have really great instincts. And so how can we translate that? And, and frankly, that's where I plug in, right? I've got the technical background. So the idea is that we're taking people that have, frankly, a natural interest in growing in the business. You have to want that. You have to be motivated and you have to believe um, that the work that we do has value. Um, I can't, I can't convince you of that, right? I can't make that happen for you. So once you're invested, then we try to ramp up that learning period. You know, we don't have 20 years to wait for someone to be comfortable yeah. with product and with the technical end of things that 20 years later, they're finally ready to hit the ground. <laughs> and of course that's a little, you know, pie in the sky, but but let's be practical here. We have a, um, a generation of workers that wants to see results more quickly. And that's, that is what it is. I, I don't like that cliche, but um, let's leverage that, right? So they're, they're eager to hit the ground running and to make a difference. So if I can plug in and I can help um, literally with all the transactional side of what it takes to actually place an insurance policy, and we're doing um, exposure identification, we're doing market selection, we're, we are literally soup to nuts managing these opportunities together. Um, I, I like to call myself a big sister in the business, if you will. So I'm not your boss. I'm not the one that's setting your goals for you. I'm not the one um, that's asking you what's in your pipeline and, and creating that sense of conflict, maybe pressure, maybe some anxiety. Yeah. Um, but we, we talk about it all, right? Like it's, it's a very obviously technical play on my end, but what I've built is a program that very simply monthly, monthly membership model, if you will, pay as you go. If, if a employment agreement ends and somebody doesn't work out, you stop paying. It's not complicated. Um, there's no, no long-term commitment or engagement, but the, the core of the program is 10 coaching sessions with me each month. So we're leveraging technology 
on demand. So we're not talking hypothetically about a risk you may or may never see or a, a broker of record situation that you may never navigate. We're talking about the one that's in front of you, the one that's on your desk, so to speak. Um, so it's this, this on-demand approach that I think has been missing from all of that more theoretical, um, you know, the student, the student of insurance approach. So, um, so we're balancing that very specific one-on-one -on -one work in the business. And then once a month, we're together as a group here in Chicago working on the business. So that's where yeah. we're talking about, um, we're going to do a crash course in, in video production. So we need to be in front of our customers. It's the best way to build authenticity and to build trust is to physically be present. And in the absence of that face-to-face -face coffee meeting or, um, you know, sitting across the desk, let's, let's get in front of them. And I'm astonished how few of us are doing it. Um, it makes my heart happy when I see people pop up on my screen because I want to see them. Um, so we're doing that. We're spending a half day doing that. We're doing, um, you know, to identifying your, your ideal client and we're physically giving him or her a name. I mean, we are getting really specific about where we're going um, to find opportunities. I'm leveraging my resources in my own professional network. I've got a, um, a great colleague who is a financial planner. So she's doing a session on budgeting and personal finance when your income fluctuates. We're commissioned salespeople lar largely. And so how do you deal with the highs and the lows when you're just starting out? That's you might have true. a great month. You might have um, a couple months that aren't so great. And how do you, how again, do you build confidence that you can do this. You can get over these small hurdles so that you can build your career um, in this really important space. So, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. We're physically in the field. We're doing field trips where um, I'm calling on some of my allies in the business. Um, we're doing some literal like role playing. We're sitting at the negotiation table and I've asked some um, business owners here in the community to play hardball with the participants in the program, really give them you know, all the lines that we're used to hearing. It's one thing to sit in a, in a room and figure out all the things you're going to say when you hear that, oh, I've been happy with my agent for 20 years and he's my next door neighbor and my cousin's, you know, stepbrother's godson or, you know, all the things that we've ever heard. It's one thing to think you know what you're going to say. Um, it's another to actually have that real world practice. So, yeah. um, so we work on that. And the last thing that I'm really excited about is, is once a quarter we're together as a group and we're out in the community. Um, giving back and this, the participants in the program are choosing what sort of um, social service organization we're participating for. And I think that feeds this whole idea that insurance is not a J-O-B. Um, this is a lifestyle. Um, it's, it is absolutely what you want to make it. And it's not something that you have to fit in your nine to five. Um, mm -hmm. You can really choose um, as a participant in the business to align yourself with businesses and customers that align with your own value system. And I think that's something really empowering and that I'm, I'm really encouraging um, in the program. You know, life is, life is short, but life is really long when you're working with people that, that don't light your fire, so to speak. So um, I'm encouraging, encouraging everybody to dig deep and, and really be honest with yourself. Are these the, are these the customers that you want to get out of bed in the morning and go to bat for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so are you, are you saying you have role playing? Yeah. Wow. That is very important. Um, specifically on the sales side, but I think it just in, just in developing business acumen, how to deal with someone, how to not blow up, how mm -hmm. to, um, be able to have a professional conversation 
when there's um, escalating conflict. Right. Um, so th that's fantastic. I, I don't. I, there's. I don't know anyone that's sort of that doing anything like that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's necessary. And it's interesting because I think as as agents, as salespeople, we think about you know the sale to the customer, right? That's the one that generates the the revenue in our pocket. But there's a sale to the carrier as well. Um, and so we work on that too. So because I was an underwriter for all those years and I was fielding submissions, I know exactly uh, what an underwriter wants to see and what they want to hear authentically, of course. Um, but how can we build those connections on the carrier side as well so that you're getting far more yeses than nos and you can be really calculated and methodical mm -hmm. about your approach and, and where you build those relationships because those matter too. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Um, so the, the first, does someone have to be in Chicago to be in your program? Yeah, so the, the monthly membership option is very centralized here in Chicago. Um, yeah. I have grand plans to affiliate um, in the future. The, the hope is that there's such a demand across the country that I can tap into my own professional network and start to have affiliates around the country doing similar work. We're not there yet, yeah. um, but I do have other arrangements that are also an option, um, lots of um, on-site like full day workshops and things like that that we can do and then also I you know technology is an amazing tool so um, you know we can schedule hourly sessions if if an agency has one particular account or one particular scenario that they're trying to navigate and they don't have the expertise and they want to add some more credibility to the conversation I can plug in there too so yeah I'd actually be interested in the role playing with you guys <laughs> Awesome. Um, I've actually searched for that. I've actually went on and said, you know, I, I just want to practice. Like yeah. I, I just need, I need a mechanism to practice I, you know, so when, you know, when I go and I do a pitch, I'll do the visualization, I'll do the preparation, but yeah. there's nothing like having someone throw fastballs at you oh. or cur or curveballs, right. you know, kind of keep you off your feet and prepare you in a way, you know, I think I know, what they want. I think I know what kinds of questions or concerns they, they will throw back at me, but I can't know for certain. And yeah. so there's no worse feeling than when you're in a professional presentation and someone's got you on your toes Yeah. and you're backpedaling. And, you know, it's, um, I tend to stutter when I'm thinking. I can't, I can't think and speak at the same time. So it comes off, uh, to me, it comes off sour and that's not the impression I want to give. So role-playing to me would be very valuable in what I do just to keep me on my toes, have yeah. me better prepared for, for those elements, keep me fresh. It's mm -hmm. to me, it's just practice. Like what is what an athlete would do in between games. And to me, the pitch is the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're totally yeah. right. And there's, it's a balance because we never want to come across scripted. You know, we, there's a certain humility, I think, that that makes great agents great. Um, they're real people. They are, when something stinks, it stinks, and they own that, and they, um, you know, they roll with it. I think customers want us to be real people, to be whole people, and to be relatable. And so, you know, there's a certain, I can't tell you how many times I've said, and I don't know, I, you know, I'm, I'm number one on my list. So let me research that and get back to you. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, we are, we are always going to be with a couple of exceptions, the wisest insurance person in the room, right? That's, 
that's mm-hmm. never going to be questioned when you're sitting across from a buyer. And I think our, our main goal is to build that authentic connection and nothing levels the playing field, like a little bit of humanity. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, I it, you know, I, I, I just think it's, listen, it's a, it's a product that's difficult to sell. Yeah. No doubt about it. So, you know, you know, the objections are going to come in the same form or fashion. And I just think like, it just, you can't get enough. You, you can't take enough swings at your price is too high. Right. I'm happy with my agent. Like yeah. you just can't get enough swings at that. Like, even though in my mind I can, I can sort of say sort of, I know what to, I, I think I know what I would know what to say. Yeah. Uh, I've still been caught off guard. Like I know what to say, but like the tone, the way they said it, there was a sense of anger there or whatever. Like, I'm not prepared for that. Ooh, they caught me off guard. I, 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 can't, I can't get to my notebook in my head fast enough to right. think about what the script should be to yeah. kind of overcome that. So to me, it's just practice all of the different angles and just be prepared. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? I agree. Um, mistakes mm. that agency owners make. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, um, I, listen, um, just like in preparing a pitch, you know, um, you can pretty much count on if you're an OG, uh, you know, business owner like I am myself, you're going to make mistakes. And so I routinely see companies that I deal with making the same mistakes over and over and over. And, you know, you kind of have to bring that up. But in your, in, for what you're trying to do and the, the type of impact you're trying to make, with those employees, what are the common mistakes that agency owners keep making um, that you think are like low hanging fruit stuff that you can solve? Yeah. So, so a couple, and again, I'm generalizing. So the, the fun part about the work that I'm doing today is that it's allowed me to reconnect with a lot of my frankly friends in the industry. So after a, a little bit of hiatus and that's been, been wonderful. And so what I'm sharing now is sort of bits and pieces of all of those experiences. Obviously there are some wildly fantastic agencies that I think we all, you know, wish that we could aspire to be or, or set the bar, so to speak. So um, when it comes to hiring though, I'll say this. So I saw this time and time again, when I would see a new producer start on the agency side um, when I was a carrier rep and I would see, um, you know, a really eager, really bright, really, um, you know, efficient with your yellow legal pad and your back then phone book. Um, and there was a certain onboarding that happened. And it, in some cases, it might not have been any more complicated than you're now eligible for benefits. And here's your, um, you know, sharpened number two pencil. Um, but there's sort of a natural falling off period in a lot of agencies. And so we get the talent in the door. And then we, they flounder a little bit because that first two weeks, month, six weeks is really hard. You're, you don't have that script that we talked about. You haven't found your voice. Um, in this day and age, storytelling is such a great sales technique. You don't know what your story is. You don't, you re- there's so much you don't know. And rather than keeping that, that cycle or that circle close with whomever in the agency is assigned as the mentor, often it is the principal, um, because they're being pulled in so many directions. Yep. That's the reality of being a small to mid-sized agency owner is you can't know on any given day 
um, which direction you're going to be pulled. Yep. And unfortunately, something that is so intangible and so open-ended as training talent falls by the wayside. And so you've got salespeople that are disenchanted. They're not seeing success. It's not even that they want to see it too quickly. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? According to the rule book. Um, but there's a lag and they're frustrated and maybe the agency principal is frustrated because whatever um, agreements or promises were made are not being met. And then they leave. And sometimes they leave and they go to another organization that's a little bit more sophisticated, maybe has some of this protocol already built in house, or they leave the industry, which is a, which is a problem, Shame. right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, so I think it's, um, it's really not maximizing the gift that it is when you have a new salesperson in your organization. Um, you've already got them in the door. Uh, the second is I do see through the hiring. In some cases, we're just hiring the wrong people. We're not. Um, one of the things I'm enjoying, I'm dipping my toe into here in, in the next quarter in 2019 is some very strategic recruiting. Um, so really working to hand select candidates for very specific agencies based largely on culture. So culture of the candidate and culture of the organization, because I believe based on my interaction that there's success there or an opportunity for it that's greater anywhere else. So, yeah. um, but I'm also doing a little good cop, bad cop with the agency principal in that case, because we get blinded. We see somebody who fits the profile demographically. They're exactly what we need. The price point is right. The enthusiasm level is high. And then we get them in the door and it turns out, it, it just didn't work out for a variety of reasons. Um, so we're trying to work through that too. So, um, and the last thing I think is, is a leadership issue and that is culture. I mentioned it earlier, but um, many agencies don't spend time on the business. They're in sleeves rolled up and they are, they are fighting the fires and they're dealing with carriers and they're, they're dealing with unhappy clients or happy clients or large clients or, you know, the majority of, of our time is spent in the business, that they're not taking time out to really make sure that there is a clear message about the values of the organization and that employees are engaged and that they're aligned. And that takes time and it takes um, effort. You have to be very intentional about that. When I see it, man, I know it's there. I mean, it's, it's I visited with a, an agent, a fairly young agency principal, about a week ago, he started an agency from scratch. Um, and I, I literally left saying, you don't need me. You've already got this down. Um, and I'm so refreshed. The language he was using, the way that he was communicating about his staff was so refreshing. Just the level of confidence that he has in them, the empowerment that he's created um, in the agency culture tells me he knows what, it's a grind. It's a grind. There are hard days when we all scratch our heads saying, you know, yeah. What did we ever, what did we ever get into? Um, but when I hear that, I'm, I'm really encouraged um, for the future, but culture, it's a huge, you know, it's a huge it's, issue. It, it's just so easy to have the culture fall through the cracks because yeah. it's it, like you said, it's so easy to roll up your sleeves and just say, I got too many fires to put out. Right. And it's even something that, you know, um, my, my company struggles with and they've coined me the chief culture officer right. and you know, but just, just things like, Hey, listen, I want, I want continuing education to basically be the lifeblood of yeah. what we're doing. I want the smartest staff. 
I want, I want people who are curious and um, ambitious. You know, I, I just, I kind of want that to be infused in everything we do. And it's just like, well, do we, you know, do we have to have like a few courses that people have to take when they onboard? I'm like, yeah, they do. Everybody. I don't care how experienced they are. Like the, the, uh, you, you brought, I thought you brought up something really awesome. I didn't even think about it when it came to sales staff, but you know, when a sales professional comes in, not only do they have to learn the sales stuff, like, you know, what the, what the, the, the lines are, what the, you know, how to overcome objections. Yeah. They have to know their product. <clears throat> that, that in and of itself takes weeks for them to get comfortable with, okay, who are our carriers? What, what's the, what's the risk appetite? What do they want? What, do, what don't they want? That takes forever to, and, and to balance both of them, my God. So I'm even, you know, I have a technical staff that needs to understand what a deductible is. Then I have an underwriting staff that needs to understand how models work, you know, risk appetite. And then there's, I want to layer on top of that, like just, um, you know, how to conduct business. Like when you're, when you're sending an Excel spreadsheet, what should it look like? Like you're sending an Excel spreadsheet and like half the columns have nice neat uh, commas in the numbers. Others, I can't tell if that's a million or a hundred million. Um, uh, you know, some are centered, some are off center, like this is just standard stuff. And I don't care if you're 50 years and you're joining us. I've seen people, you know, that have been in in the business for 50 years, send me an Excel spreadsheet. And I'm like, who taught you how to do this? Yeah, I don't want my name or my company's name on that. So there's that culture. It's just, I don't want this falling through the cracks. It's so important. I am willing to have some fires rage on the side to make sure that our foundation is set and that everybody abides, that everybody wants to be a part of this. I, okay. I, I think the easiest way I can describe it to you is um, I want our, our day-to-day operations to be sort of like college. You know, it's, we're collegial and we work with one another and every day, like just pick the classes you want to take. But you have to keep picking the classes you want to take going forward. And to me, as you're talking, I was just like, I'm nodding like, yes, of course. But so few do it and it's a competitive edge. Yeah. You know, engaged employees keep showing up and they don't, they don't just keep physically showing up, um, but they add their, their heart and their soul uh, to the work that they do and customers see it, you know, it, it is a differentiator and, um, you know, you can have the lowest price and the best service and the best product. Um, but like, I feel like we, I mean, we know this, right? Like yeah. people buy insurance from us because they like us. They don't like us because we have the cheapest price. They, that, that's, that's, those two don't translate. It's yep. how do you make them feel? How do yep. you make them feel? And as the principal, you've got to surround yourself with a team that, let them be quirky. Let them have their, their Purple little hair. Baby. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Like go be, you be you, you know, it's yeah. a cliche, but be you, um, and give, give what you, what you have, give your best. Um, and, but you gotta, you have to create an environment where that's appreciated and acknowledged in the way that is, a, is, is desired by the employee. So if you, if you've got an employee that doesn't like public acknowledgement of their, 
hard work, then we're not giving them trophies at the quarterly employee appreciation lunch, right? That's not, that's not what they want. You've got an employee that's financially motivated, well, then maybe they get the gift card, whatever, you know, but you don't know these things until you know your employees. And that's a gap. Um, I can't tell you how many agency principals don't spend enough time in the bullpen. And it yeah. does mean that they're putting other fires to the side that might be financially of greater consequence, but your employees want to see you, your team members want to hear from you. And I see that you wonder why the, the train is running off the tracks. It's because they don't know what direction the tracks are going. And the only way um, that they're going to have that clarity is from the person who arguably has their name on the door. Completely. Right? Completely. Yeah. You, you're familiar with Herb Kelleher of Southwest Airlines? Sure. Yes, of course. Yeah. So Herb, Herb died um, a couple weeks ago. And Tom Peters, who did the uh, In Search of Excellence. So, you know, he used the uh, great business consultant. Um, he talks about Southwest Airlines all the time because it's an airline. Airlines don't make money. Right. Um, you know, have generally struggled, but Southwest has always made money. And yeah. so, in you know, having conversations with Herb Kelleher, it was always my employees come first. Mm -hmm. If my employees come before my customers and they come before the investors, yeah. if I take care of my employees, it's a set of dominoes. Everyone else gets taken care of. If we take care of investors first, you're going to have upset employees and then upset clients. If you take care of your your clients first, uh, it sets a bad precedent because they will railroad the employees. Like the employees always have to come first. Everything else will take care of itself if you take care of the employees first. And I love the word you used, engaged. Yeah. Um, I want I want my employees' voices heard. I think. It, that should be the message I think from this podcast is if you let their voices be heard, you'll be surprised. Yeah. You'll be surprised at what kind of fires you think that you have to put out that your employees end up putting out for you because they figure out how to do it. They're engaged to yeah. do that. I, I just love, I love that message. Great. You know, Great. I'm, I'm uh, glad that to me it's been, um, I've been so fortunate um, in my career to have worked for organizations that, culturally are aligned in that way. So um, obviously this is nothing new. Um, I'm just mm -hmm. shouting it from the loudest, tallest mountaintop that I can, um, the significance of, of letting your employees have um, the, the freedom and the, yeah. the space to explore this, to figure out who they are and how they can be more impactful for you and, and see what that does to your culture. You, you would think it's not a competitive edge, right? Because oh. how, how can, um, you know, getting my employees, you know, engaged and educate them and onboard them well, how can that be a competitive edge? It's not strategic because everybody can do it. It's like, but nobody does it. So it is strategic. Absolutely. It is. It seems um, so, but yeah. Yeah. Um, just a, a question before we go to the more personal stuff. This sure. is sort of personal as well. Uh, your career mm -hmm. um, as well. So um, let's, you, you talked about how you got into the industry. Yeah. Um, as you we wove your way through it to get to this particular point. Um, for, for those that do listen that are building their career. Yeah. What what should they be focusing on? What, what, you know, we're, we're, we've been, we focused this podcast on employers and how they can engage, but mm -hmm. 
But if, if for those that are on the flip side, yeah. uh, how, can, how can they engage themselves? What, what are the sort of things that you would recommend to them to enhance their career? Yeah. So there is nothing else I could say other than nurture your network. Um, become a steward of the business. Um, when you can help, help. When you need help, ask. Um, the fact that I'm sitting here this afternoon as the founder of my own company, which I thought was beyond any of my wildest dreams, frankly, in insurance, in a, an industry that for a long time, for me, felt very much like we had to fit in boxes. You were a, mm. an underwriter, you're a claims person, you're a mm -hmm an auditor, and, and those are all very noble um, job descriptions or job titles, and, and I was one um, for a long time, but to be able to explore this very entrepreneurial side of the business is a testament to all of the people today who are willing to take my call, and they're willing to take my call because 20 years ago, 18, 15 years ago, we had an opportunity to interact in some form or fashion, and because I delivered whatever it is that we were, you know, we were working on. It, it wasn't that I wasn't good at what I was doing, um, but but I made a point in a very authentic way to maintain those connections. I didn't know then what this would look like. I didn't I didn't have some, you know, wild dream when I was just graduating from college that this is where I would be. That I'm an entrepreneur is not a surprise. Um, I think that was always in me. Um, as a little personal anecdote, my folks are entrepreneurs, and I grew up. Um, with office talk over the dinner table very regularly. Yeah. And so it, for me, it's a very um, natural, not without, you know, it's stressors and, and anxiety, but it's, I am a believer when the universe tells you what it needs, we have a choice. We either ignore it or we answer the call. And that is exactly where adjunct advisors came from over and over and over again. I heard these conversations. We need people. We need people to stay. We need, I need help. I, I'm not a trainer. I'm, an, I'm a salesperson. I'm a, all of these excuses why this wasn't working. And I like, do I, do I ignore this? Do I, do I go get another J-O-B, which is a very, you know, honorable and typical thing to do in our business? Or do I get a little crazy, um, as some might mm -hmm. have thought, and, and see what's here? You know, I, I think that um, the industry, obviously, as we know, is ripe for change. There's so much going on. I'm excited about it. I'm glad to be part of it. Um, and in in this way, I'm like, this is just such an obvious need um, that I think we need to to address, and that frankly, I'm equipped to handle. So here we are. Yeah, it, you you have that that spunk in you. I can tell. It's just like, <laughs> well, someone's going to solve this problem. Right. I'll solve I'll solve this problem. I'm going to solve this problem. So that that's a fantastic story. I love that. Um, I am going to uh, transition to the quest the personal questions I ask everybody who comes on yeah. the show. Go for um, it. A lot of it is just um, me being lazy. I get to do my research through my guests. So right. you're my guinea pig, uh, and and uh, you know 2019 you know, turn of the year, again, I'm just like, I got to get more organized so I can become more productive. Yeah. So what tools or techniques do you use to yeah. stay, you know, organized and or productive? Yeah, so it's been cool. So in, in the industry, we know of all of those sort of, you know, off the shelf solutions that agencies might use for um, client management and on the carrier side, you know, their, um, their, uh, 
proprietary systems that they've developed. And one of the, the cool things about dipping my toe in this entrepreneurial world is that I'm able to tap into resources that aren't specific to our industry, but mm -hmm. frankly are as or more effective for the work that I'm doing. So uh, the one that I'm loving right now is called Dubsado, D-U-B-S-A-D-O, if you're not familiar. So this is actually a project management tool that was created for creatives. And so we speak slightly different language, um, but the concept is great. It's an integrative tool that allows me to manage my client relationships through a CRM tool. Um, also write and share contracts and also link my billing and invoicing as well as my calendar all in one. That's all with Dubsado? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's cool. It's worth checking out. So it's, um, it's a, a very economical solution. Uh, frankly, for somebody like me, there's a free version. Um, if you have just a handful of clients um, anymore, it's worth it to go in and, and do some branding and really make it your own. But that's been, again, I had no, no idea that these tools existed and I've, I've just been soaking it all in um, whenever any of my, my cohorts are sharing their ideas. So yeah. Uh, a personal CRM is something I've been like searching for. So, you know, I dabbled in like HubSpot, but it's really built for salespeople. I've dabbled in some project management stuff, but those are really built for tech people. They are. Um, you know, and you know, the, the language, you can just tell it's uh, scrums and other stuff. It's like just really built for people that are building software or have something to deal with tech and i just feel like there's still nothing i there's nothing out there for someone like me so i will i will yeah. take a look at that yeah it's a it's a cool story as well it's a husband and wife founder so um together they i imagine it was some interesting again you know over a, a meal or a glass of wine like what what would this look like let's get really think outside the box and and what yeah. would this tool look like if if you needed it and um, it's been it's been great for me, and I have just enough curiosity about doing things myself that as long as the tools allow me to not screw it up, um, then I'm going to give it a shot. You know, I'm I'm all about rolling up my sleeves too. So, and their their customer service is great, yeah. really responsive, yeah. and you know, I'm in no way an IT programmer, um, and thankfully they have them, so they're quick to to integrate great ideas and respond to service requests. So, yes, highly recommend. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, final question is, um, I, I bought a book like 30 seconds before I jumped onto this call with you. So I'm trying to get back in and, you know, you know, compete with the Tonys and the Ryan Hanleys who are reading like 25 and 50 books a year. I don't know if I can do that, but I'm trying. So uh, what books have been influential in your business or personal lives? Yeah. So first I'll, I'll shout out to a classic Covey's seven habits of highly effective. Yeah, people, love right? that. I think I went through that training eight different times in my, in my career. And I have to be honest. Um, I still recall those nuggets. I can't tell you what numbers they are, but there are times when I am stuck or I am meeting something and I'm able to recall um, Covey's message and, the one, frankly, that I come back to most is begin with the end in mind. Decide what you want and then work backwards. Yep. What's it going to take to get there? And I think yep. that's a great way to navigate professional and personal um, situations, frankly. So that's one I like. Um, I um, am a fan of Playing Big by Tara Moore. Um, Tara really speaks to 
women in business and the idea that we often are the only barrier that gets in our way to <laughs> success. And so it, every chapter is a great exploration in some of the natural blocks that we throw up as women in business. And there's a great chapter even on limiting language that we use. So we do a lot of apologizing and a lot of you know, just checking in, just popping in. I'm sorry it took me so long. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, and she's really good at knock it off, right? Like we're, our voices uh, deserve to be heard equally. So that's been great. And not, um, not books, but podcasts. So I'm part of a great network of entrepreneurial women here in Chicago. I, I would argue there's no better place to be um, starting a business in terms of resources and um, support than here in Chicago. And Amanda Boleyn is a podcaster here in Chicago, and she's been running the She Did It Her Way podcast for several years now, and she is really inspiring. And again, I mentioned earlier, but it's really cool to see how you can overlay um, creative ideas and thought processes on this very sort of financial business that we're in, um, especially when you get into the human side, the humanity that we're talking about. Um, so she's great, very inspiring um, podcaster. So, and the last thing I'll throw out, I do this, um, my birthday's in the fall and every morning on my birthday, I listen to the TED talk that was given by Brene Brown on vulnerability. I know we've all, we've all heard it, but I make it a point every year to listen to it again. Um, like so many things, once another year goes by, another listen resonates in a different way and I pick up something, something different each time. So just a reminder that Life is long, careers are long, and we don't have to have it all figured out um, today. So, Great list. I will yeah. put all of those on the show notes. So for anyone yeah. listening or watching, go over to the show notes uh, to check out that list. Um, I cannot disagree with the seven habits. I think that's foundational. Mm -hmm. So much so that um, I think I'm going to um, buy every new employee a copy of that and it. set it up as a like intro course. Like you have to go, everyone has to go through this. Even if you're an executive, like everybody's got to go through it. That yeah. And just to add on to that. So I think the cool thing is when we hear it. So it's one thing to read it. It's another thing to digest it and then set it aside. But I use the language. I literally have said in relationships, I'm beginning with the end in mind. I want to be happy. So because I want to be happy, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to choose my mm -hmm. behavior. And I think it's, conceptually it's great right there's these seven habits but i like how they're phrased in such short um little sound bites that they're very easy to recall and i think the idea as leaders and in showing that leadership acumen is throw it out there you know um are you are you listening with the intent to understand or be heard and yeah and that's the hardest one yeah right there's a these, there's this yeah. is not a joke there's a reason this man was as successful as he was yeah so. yeah and and the playing big one as you were describing it i was thinking uh, i got the same problem you know yeah coming in apologizing you know uh, i'm sorry my price is expensive yeah and then trying to apologize that away mm. uh to put excuses on and I, I so so that's probably valuable for for everyone in the audience so i will put all of those in the show notes and um this has been a phenomenal conversation i love this topic Thanks. Uh, it's so important to me. It's so important to insurance nerds, uh, you know, continuing education, uh, the, the onboarding part of it. It just, it links to s career development, uh, engagement of employees. It's just so particular, particularly important. So for anyone that's listening, 
adjunct advisors as the company. Meg McKean is uh, the, the founder of that. She's leading that. And um, when you get that role playing over here in New England, <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I think we could do a role playing just with GoToMeeting, Zoom, WebEx, stuff That's like cool. that. Let's, let's figure that out because I've been, been wanting to role play just to improve, sharpen my skills as well. Sharpen the saw. There you go. We all tie this together. So uh, my guest this week has been Meg McKean of Adjunct Advisors. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I appreciate it. Thank you.